0: Man, I just feel like that we sh- got, like, if Jesus had to come into this room right now, your whole week would be very different. It would be very different. Your lunch plans would be gone. It would be like, wow, what just happened? I don't think you'd even take out your phone to be able to take pictures because you'd be so in awe. You'd be flat on your face. And I just have this sense today that God wants to do things here that will change people's lives forever. And I'm going to ask you, if you don't have an expectation of that for yourself, that you would have an expectation for the people that are here with you, okay? So, a while back, two weeks, three weeks, uh, um, Ian shared this me- beautiful message about having eyes of faith on Jesus, and he quoted this beautiful psalm, uh, Psalm 84, verse 6, sorry, my, my notes, I almost thought I'd delete all my notes this morning, Yo, that was exciting. <laughs> okay, I, so my phone is a bit frozen, it doesn't matter. Uh, says psalm 84 verse 6 it says blessed are those whose strength is in the lord whose hearts are set on pilgrimage and i was like from the day that he said that i was like man i couldn't get that word out of my head pilgrimage it was just there and i was like god this thing it's not talked about many times in the bible and have all these weird kind of pictures of pilgrimage, like this holy, like go to Mecca, you know, and do the Hajj, like these weird holy things, you know, and it's very legalistic and strange. And, but David, a man after God's own heart said that. He said, blessed is a man whose heart is set on pilgrimage, like a sacred journey. And I want to tell you today that all of us here are on a journey, every single one of us here, whether you like it or not. And some of us here, we're tired. You're tired. But I'm not talking about like, oh man, work has been tough. I'm tired. I need a holiday. I'm talking about like some of us are deeply tired. Like your soul is tired. Some of you might be frustrated or overwhelmed. You might feel like your life is completely without direction. Or that you have this deep hunger for something more. There's something inside you that's like, man, there must be more to life. Some of us might feel stuck here or unable to move. We might feel like frozen in place. We might feel anxious and afraid of tomorrow, afraid of what's coming. Some of you have been trying and trying things and, and everything just stays the same. Nothing is changing And you don't know what to do anymore. It's almost like you've given up. You've come close. Um, Today, I'm going to ask you, we're going to do this together. We are going to call on God for help. That's what we're going to do. Okay. And the first thing that we need to do before we do that is realize that our own ability just doesn't do it it's not enough it's it's not enough for what god is calling us for and that's something that's a whole preach by itself that you cannot do it in your own strength at all okay so a journey a journey takes preparation it takes devotion i was chatting with ian while he was busy busy getting ready, and he's, t- he's telling me like, yo, oh, he's packing, you know, and I'm sure you guys were like, the, the house, everyone's saying their goodbyes, and you know, you're getting ready for a big journey, and um, Luke went to Swellendam, I'm sure, you, I'm sure with the, your big family, you guys also like getting ready, you know, checking, the, did we take everything, and you know, it's the same with my sister, when she comes over to, to our place to visit, sometimes she'll like leave her towel behind, or Logan's like hoodie or something, it's like just part of life, you're getting ready, you're making sure that you've got everything, is everything prepared? Okay, so how much more for a journey that involves God? So I want to, us to focus on one of the first journeys in the Bible. It happened in Exodus, if you can put up Exodus twelve eleven to 12, I'm just going to talk about it. Uh, it's so funny, uh, Christine, when you mentioned that this morning about the burning bush, So that was when God really spoke to Moses in a massive way. And he said to him, I'm going to send you to take the people out of Egypt, my people. We've got a journey. They've been there for 430 years. They've been living in Egypt. And we're going to call, God is going to call them out of Egypt. And if you think living in the same house for 20 years is like getting stuck, imagine living in the same place, your family, your family's family for like 430 years. And all you know is slavery. All you know is Egypt. That's it. The food, the culture, the way of life. Your grandfather's grandfather was a slave, and now you're a slave, and this is all you know, okay? And God comes and moves in a mighty way through Moses, and there's plagues that happen. There's all these mighty acts of power, and God cripples Egypt to the point where they don't have power anymore. They don't have any ability anymore to hold these people. And God is calling them out all the time. He's calling them out. And this verse, Exodus 12, 11 to 12, it's one of the last things that happens. I love this verse so much. Um, So God is about to move in a powerful way and kill all the firstborn children of Egypt. And he says to the Israelites, I want you to take a lamb. This is gonna be something that you're gonna do for as long as you are my people, you're going to be doing this. You're going to take a lamb. You're going to take the blood. You're going to mark the doorposts and you're going to stay indoors because I'm going to move here in Egypt and I'm going to kill all the firstborn children of the enemies of God. And so you need to stay indoors. It's very, very important. And then God says, you take that lamb and I want you to I want you to cook it and have a meal. And listen to the way he talks about this meal. He says, these are the instructions for eating this this meal. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals. Carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency. For this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. And I want you to think of that for a moment. God is busy moving. Egypt is in ruin around you. You're hiding indoors. God has said, put blood around the door and don't go outside because I'm going to move in power and kill these people. I want you to get dressed. I want you to make bread. Don't put any yeast in it because you don't have time eat this meal with urgency, put a belt around your waist, put your shoes on, have your staff in your hand while you're busy eating. Eat it in haste because you're about to leave. God, when he calls us for a journey, there's a preparation involved. So there's things that he does, and there's things that we need to do. And today, I'm going to ask you to prepare yourself. God has been preparing us. I'm going to ask you to join in with him, prepare yourself, because I feel like the Lord wants to move in big ways. Exodus 12, 40 to 41 says, the people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. Exodus 12, 51 says, on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt like an army. But this is a very strange army they didn't have any weapons they were a bunch of slave people but they were god's freed people they were fathers and mothers children grandmothers grandfathers with their animals they had the clothing on their backs but it says that god brought them out as if they were an army okay their weapons were not of this world Their weapon was god himself he was their weapon he was their power and their strength So there's another meal. We're going to fast forward now. Jesus, so the Bible says that that Passover meal, the Jews were to celebrate and carry on celebrating that. You know that we still celebrate that in a way as Christians to this day when we take communion. We're still celebrating the Passover. So Jesus said something so strange, like many other strange things that he said. So a bunch of people were following him because he had made bread and wine, uh, not wine, sorry, He had made bread and he had taken fish and multiplied it, fed 5,000 people. After that, obviously he got this massive following because they're like, oh man, that guy's got food. We're following him. No more work. Okay? So they follow him and Jesus turns around at one point. This massive crowd is following him and he says this. It's part of a longer dialogue. John 6, verse 53 to 65. This is going to sound super strange, but I want you to listen with an open heart. Okay? Jesus says... So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but they will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching the synagogue in Capernaum, Many of his disciples said, this is a very hard thing to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human efforts accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that the people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Jesus says there, flesh has has no ability. It's got nothing that prospers. It can't take you to where God wants you to go. I heard a message long time ago. I went to this small church. In, I was backslidden. I wasn't walking with the Lord. And I was searching. There was something inside me that was yearning for God. I went into this little church uh, on the second story uh, of a restaurant in Greenpoint's. And the guy that was sharing the message was very prophetic. And he said something to me. It scared me so much. He said this to me. He said, you know, many of us, we can talk about things that we have issues with, our problems, sins that we're busy dealing with and overcoming, things like that. But what about giving yourself to God? Giving your whole life to God? Everything. Everything. To God, what about total surrender? He said that, and I was like, What the heck is he talking about? And I got so scared. After that service, I left there. I never got I never went back. And but what he said to me was really it worked, it felt like Jesus Himself was speaking to me. What he said to me was stewing in my heart. I couldn't get rid of it. There's something else that God has called us to, and that's not just like going to the gym and working out a, a few Christian muscles, but giving ourselves over to Him, that we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to God. So Romans 8 verse 5 to 9 says this. This is talking about the Holy Spirit and this incredible war that I'm sure you feel almost every day of your life. And if you don't feel it, there's a problem. So, the flesh warring against the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is an enemy of God. It's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. It can't submit to God's law. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. I'm going to read Romans 8, verse 14 to 15. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father, Daddy God. So there's something here this thing of the flesh and the spirit, that the flesh mind, and by that we don't mean like a, a meat sack mind. We don't mean like your brain's like pulsating inside there. What we're we talking about is anything of your own ability, anything of yourself, your self ability. Okay? That is an enemy of God. We are by nature enemies of God if we're not born again. When we become children of God, we give God ourselves, the inside parts, the part that says, I want to do things my way, that secret part, that part that is our strength many times. It's like, man, I, I'm, I'm so good at doing this X, Y, and Z. and Oh, man, I really understand how this problem is going to work out and how to solve it and oh, man, these people are saying this, and this is what I think I should do, and anything of your own understanding or your own mind, that's flesh. So this last week, by God's grace, I got a job. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. God is so good. You know what? There's so many people here that have gotten work. Pumza, did you get work? Oh, thank you. (laughs) She's waving at me wildly. Um, but you did, you did go for an interview, Pumza, and Arno as well, and uh, Josh. Yes, man, Josh, so happy. Um, yeah, God is busy doing stuff. Divan, you got a promotion. Yeah, God is amazing. So, God has called us to work, but God hasn't called us to work by our own ability and our own strength. He's called us to rest in His spirit. Okay. So when I got this job, everything inside me was like, oh, this sucks. Like, I'm going to work, like, as, as a manager of a toy shop, you know, at Sable Square. And I'm, like, six days a week. And and I'm, like, kind of negotiating with God. And when I went for the interview with this guy, the Lord kept saying to me, yes, I like this guy. Yes. And then I prayed. And on the way back home, I was walking home. And I was like, God, do you want me to? And he's like, yes, just do it, yes, and I'm like, God, I don't know, Lord, and normally when the Lord and I speak, it's not a yes, it's a no, because I'm asking him to do things, and he's like, no, no, you're not allowed to do that, no, stop it, no, that's your own ability, so when I hear God say yes, it's a very wonderful thing, so he said yes, and then I was like, okay, I know that this is not from me, because everything in me, my flesh is like, no ways, don't do it. the Holy Spirit is like, yes, okay? So to be controlled by God, you must first realize you were never meant to be controlled by yourself. God didn't make you that way. He made you to live together with Him and work together with Him and do everything in relationship with Him. So You know, sometimes we can be very light in the way that we talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? And I feel like that a a lot of us, we've prayed for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We've prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it's like, why am I still not walking God's way? Why am I still not seeing the same things that the disciples saw? Why is that? Because I'm busy fighting with God, He's there and he wants to do things, and he wants to have his way, and he wants to be free in your life, but it's like, yes, God, this far, but no more, you know? Surrender is a very, almost like a cheap word sometimes. It's like a very, a word that we hold very lightly, but surrender is a very big thing. It's a real thing with God. So, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to say something very It's going to sound controversial and radical, okay? Yes, thank you, okay. Stop trying to be a good person and trust Jesus. That's it. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to, like, understand things. Trust Jesus. Just trust Him. That's it. Trust the Holy... Let God be your mind. How does that sound? Let Him be your mind. Let Him make the decisions for you. Stop trying to decide if it's a good or bad idea and just obey the Holy Spirit. Galatians two nineteen to 21, Paul said this. So, Paul is such an interesting guy. So, he says, for, now this is extremely important. This is so, like, if you could mark this down, take a note or whatever. Galatians 2, verse 19 to 21. So, Paul says, for when I tried to keep the law. It condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me i don't treat the grace of god as meaningless for if keeping the law could make us right with god then there was no need for christ to die you are not a good person get that into your head it's okay it's okay it's okay you don't need to be wow you don't need to be a good person You need to trust Jesus. That's what you need. You need to trust God, okay? So, this thing of pilgrimage and devotion. To get to this place of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Our lives directed by Him there needs to first be this thing of like, man, I can't do it. God, I cannot do it. I've tried. It doesn't work. God, I give up. I give up. Lord, I'm going to give you everything. I'm not going to pray for a little answer. I'm going to pray for you. I need you, God. I don't need a little little answer. What's going to happen? No, I need Jesus. Jesus Christ. Okay? So you see this in people like Paul. Paul in acts 9:17 paul's this like zealous righteous guy he's so he says this he's so zealous he, part of his accolades of zeal was persecuting the church cuz he thought he was doing the right thing he thought that he was doing god's work by sending christians to jail okay so he, and he was like sold out for this and he he took he got letters from like the high priest and he's like i'm going to go and find the christians They're busy causing nonsense. This is not right. I'm going to go and get them arrested. And you know what happened? On the road, called straight, I think it's called straight, yeah, Um, he gets whacked off his horse by God himself, and he goes blind. He sees this light. For three days, he's like, oh, man, I don't know what's going on. And you know what happens? God says to this guy, Ananias, go, find Paul, go and pray for him, lay hands on him, Pray for him, and his, the scales will come off his eyes, because he's blind, and pray for him for the filling of the Holy Spirit, okay? and Ananias is like, what are you talking about? That guy is like a murderer. He's saying this to God, by the way. That guy's a murderer. He's been persecuting Christians. What do you mean? And God says, I'm going to save Paul. I'm going to show him what he must suffer for my sake, okay? So Paul is here. He's like, his whole world has just been wrecked. Everything that he thought that he was doing that was right is now wrong. And he's like, oh man, I was persecuting God himself. What am I doing? Ananias, so he's like at the lowest point, okay? Ananias comes and prays for him. This is what he says, Acts um, 9 verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul, his name was then Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with with the Holy Spirit, and from that time, Paul's life was forever changed, forever changed, he belonged, he called himself a prisoner of God, his life didn't belong to himself, it was given over to God, there was no longer a me and God, you know that Paul received prophetic words from people that he was going to be bound up in chains and sent to Jerusalem, he, that's the prophetic, kind of prophetic words that he got, and he was like, that's cool, I belong to God, that's fine, I don't belong to me anymore. It's okay. So there's something radical here about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, verse 44. So we're going to kind of close with this, go into a landing and all that stuff. Um, so let's go to Acts 10, verse 1 to 8. There's this guy. His name is Cornelius. So this guy was a Gentile. He was a Roman, okay? But... I'm going to to read it for you. So it says, In Caesarea there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiments. So he's a Gentile. He's not a Hebrew, okay? He's not a Jew. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him, Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. It's a normal thing when people see angels. <laughs> what is it, sir? He asked the angel. Then the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now I'll send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon Atana, Tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, listen to the the way Cornelius acts, okay? As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Cornelius is this guy. He is like we saw in the beginning, fully clothed, staff in the hand, ready, devout. He's like, you say the word, God. I'll do it, whatever. Whenever, whatever, I'm there. I'm there for you, Lord. So this is this is his attitude. Immediately after he gets this word, he sends people go do this angel spoken. Go and do it, okay? So there's some weird stuff that goes on in the next part. So Acts 10:44 to 48, it's more controversy from from the Holy Bible. Uh, even as Peter, okay. So what happens is Peter comes by. He comes in and he hears about before God has given him this vision, like this sheet, this open sheet, and there's all these different kinds of animals. And God says, "Kill and eat." And he's like a Jew. He's like, I've never, I would never touch these unholy things. And God says, Don't call what I have called holy, don't call that unholy. So God tells Peter, The Gentiles, you and me, unless there's a Jew here, the Gentiles can be saved. Praise God. Okay. And so Peter comes and he's like, This is weird. These people have come. They've called me. They said that an, this guy saw an angel and this angel said that I must come and pray for him. Okay. So he comes in to this he comes in to this room. And Cornelius goes to Peter and he he's got his whole family there waiting. Okay? And he runs to Peter and he bows down and he starts worshiping Peter. And Peter's like, "Whoa, whoa, what are you doing? I'm a servant of God just just like you." Okay? And then something so strange happens. Peter starts talking to this this guy starts talking to Peter, telling him what happened, telling him this vision, telling him all this stuff. Peter starts talking to this guy and his family about the resurrection, about Jesus dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, okay? And the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what was happening. And while Peter is still busy speaking, okay, even as Peter was saying these things, Acts ten forty four to 48, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The, Jew, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, listen to the order of this, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So all of them were baptized. So, wow. So like they get baptized baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in tongues and all this stuff is going on. And then he's like, "Uh, can anyone stop these people from being baptized in water? They weren't even baptized in water. Like, it's so strange. It's like God wanted, he was just waiting. God was like waiting to just break out over these people that were ready. They were like, they were hungering for more of God. They knew that there was something more. Peter didn't even finish speaking, and the Holy Spirit falls on these people, okay? And so I'm going to say to you, if today you are like, man, I have been trusting myself, I did not even realize it, eh? I, it, like I thought I had surrendered to God. The Bible says that if you are led by the Spirit of God, then you're a child of God. That means that not everyone that is born on this earth is a child of God. Those that are led by the Holy Spirit you might have in your mind the prerequisite to being a Christian is to do good things, to be a good person. God's prerequisite is that you would trust Him and follow His Holy Spirit. That's part of Christianity. So if there's anything in yourself where you're like, man, I've been trusting myself. I've been doing things my way and I'm so full of self. God wants you to give yourself, your inside, everything that makes you yourself to him. And he wants to give you himself, which is the Holy Spirit, so that you would live according to the Holy Spirit, his way, completely. That's full surrender, full surrender, total surrender. And I'm going to ask, we're going go to go into a ministry time now, but I'm going to ask you, this is not just for today. This is an everyday decision. God, I want to follow you today, Lord. I am going to trust you. You know, last night, Normally, I, I, I do a lot of prep during the week, but I really try and listen to what the, what the Lord is saying. So I try not to go too hectically into like all these things. So I kind of just wait if I can hear God, if I can hear God speaking through people and prayer time, things like that. And then Saturday nights, I normally prep. What happened last night is Ornella's making dinner and I'm like, man, I'm, I need to go and prep. And there's this thing inside me, like I need to go and prep. And the Lord is like, no, no, you're going to spend the night with your wife It's her time tonight. I'm going to wake you up early in the morning. We're going to do the prep then. I'm like, okay, God. Okay, okay, Lord. So the Holy Spirit wants to have his way in your life. You can trust him. He knows how to manage your life, he knows how to do things in a way that would create complete holy order in your life and bring everything together. He knows how to be the best dad. He knows how to be the best mom, the best husband, the best wife. He knows how to do all of that. You can trust him. Stop trying to figure things out. Okay.